0: Welcome in to episode 114 of the Source to Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very, very happy to be joined once again by the one, the only, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
1: We're not slacking anymore, and the content's not lacking.
0: Yeah, I'm still on vacation. I'm still pumping out. I can't yeah, even I just get make-
1: did get, I just say we're not slacking days. and lacking? Did I just throw that together there?
0: Yeah, you sound fantastic. You're you're the new. You need to drop your own album. Forget all this <laughs> Kanye versus Drake beef. We have the Sean Smith dropping his own. Well, his own diss tracks here in the okay, very I'll, near I'll future. I'll
1: tell you who's going to be dropping something. Pretty soon it's going to be John Calipari in the mic, just just dropping the mic with this thing because uh, boy, he's on a. They're they're about to go on a heater jack.
0: They absolutely are. So we talked a little bit last episode earlier this week about uh, some very significant headway on Case and Wallace in particular, uh, alongside what we've already known about Shaden Sharp, who since then has announced a commitment date on Tuesday, which is very, very, very big news for the Kentucky basketball program, considering UK has has been is and continues to be the heavy 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 favorite to land the consensus number 1 prospect in high school basketball right now which is just just massive in its own front but we've also got some other pretty significant news on another top depending on who you talk to as high as top 5 in the in the class but consensus top 10 in the class in Chris Livingston so Sean we have a lot to talk about in terms of the kind of the layout of this class, what the kind of big dream scenario is for the Kentucky basketball program, what is kind of happening behind the scenes with some other very prominent guys that um, me personally, I'm a big fan of that may or may not be coming to Kentucky anymore. or There's some, some extra things going on in their recruitments that we have to touch on. But uh, Sean, I mean, I think we got to start with, with the, with the number one player in the country, Shaden Sharp. He is, he has announced his commitment date. He's going to be uh, official. On Tuesday, uh, I believe he's going to be deciding between four options, Kentucky, the G League, um, Arizona, and Oklahoma State, I believe, are his final four. Uh, and all signs are pointing to Kentucky landing the number one prospect in high yeah. school basketball. Sean, I've, I, I couldn't rave about this kid enough. Every time I've seen him, he's just – impressing the absolute heck out of me I've watched the games a lot you know watching the same games courtside as John Calipari, Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, Jay Lucas and they are just as high on this kid as as we are they think that he has the goods and the possibility of of truly being a you know Malik Monk level scorer one of those type of come in and average 17 to 20 points per game as a freshman and be one of those true program changers so Sean what would it mean to land Shaden Sharp and uh, just kind of what does it mean in general to have potentially the number one prospect in high school basketball back in the fold for Kentucky it's been it's been a minute since we've had something like that
1: yeah you mentioned all those schools and that final list well Kentucky's not just a hat on the table as, as people like to say not in this one uh, but it would mean getting back to what they used to do. And and we know they've been in with Sharp and in a really good position with Sharp before he ever became the number one player. This has just all worked out, Jack. They identified a talent that just continued to climb in the rankings. Now he's the number going to be the number one player. I, I think two, 24-7 is the only one that doesn't have him number one, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I think that that could push pretty soon. But on three rivals, ESPN, I mean, that's the what you say that's the best player in the class. Uh, It's a guy that's going to be an instant star in college basketball. I don't think this is going to be one that guys miss out on when it comes to evaluating. To me, this is how you kickstart NIL. Because we've said this, right? 21 was not the class where NIL and John Calipari, Chin Coleman, Orlando Antigua being back. That's not where they were going to make their impact. It was 22. And if you can kickstart this class and already have the number one player in the country in your class in September, that is going to be a domino effect that follows because there are a lot of guys that when you see number one, there's some guys, Jack, that not other guys want to play with that guy. That's not the case with Shaden Sharp. Others want to play with Shaden. This is a big thing for Kentucky on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock.
0: And I will say that I, I the last time I talked to his coach, he and I, I think I mentioned this on this show, that they want him to become a Jamal Murray type player where mm-hmm. he can play the one or the two. So right now, if you look at his highlights, okay, hey, he played on a not very good uh, you play Canada team on the EYBL circuit where he was kind of forced to do a lot of, uh, you know, kind of carry a lot of the weight on that team. That's not, that. that's not what his end goal is. He wants to be a facilitator. He wants to be a distributor. He wants to be a playmaker for his teammates. So I, I think at the end of the day, The the, who UK is trying to pair with him they already have Sky Clark in the fold case and Wallace things are looking very very good for him that's going to be your your core three and all three of those guys you know I I don't think there's one pure facilitator one pure playmaker out of those three but all three of them combined can give you that Emmanuel quickly Ash and Tyrese Maxey trio that, that is kind of the, the idea. They want versatility. They want scoring. They want playmaking. They want passing. They want, you know, just kind of veteran leadership, I guess a floor general of sorts to to kind of run the show in the backcourt. And they, they think that it'll be kind of uh, assembly by committee with the three of them. There might not be one pure distributor, but they think between the three of them combining all of their talents in terms of scoring and distributing and all that, all that stuff, that they can give you that truly elite backcourt. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with them. I think that's as, about as good as a, of a backcourt as you could possibly ask for, Sean.
1: Well, and if this class shakes out the way that we think it's going to and the way it's trending, right now this roster for this season is built on experience and it's built on the transfer portal, juniors, seniors, things like that. that that's not going to be the case. There's going to be guys off this team that are going to come back like it may be a Jacob Toppin that we always talk about to go with this class that we're talking about now. But, man, you're talking guys like Shaden Sharp and Casey Wallace. I mean, Kentucky's, a, Kentucky's on the verge of getting back to being what they were in those early years of the Calipari era. The last four or five, they haven't gotten the Shaden Sharps at the top of this thing. And if they got one, they certainly didn't get a guy like Chris Livingston or someone like that that's right there falling behind it, Jack. The, the times are changing again. Kentucky is getting back to being what they were in the glory days of the Calipari era when they were going to the four Final Fours in five years. Now, does that mean that they're going to go to Final Fours? I'm not ready to say that, but they're getting back to that blueprint that made them so successful early on that made them the cool team and the cool guys in college basketball.
0: Yeah, like you said, getting that number one player this early in September, a player that guys want to play with that understand that he's a true NBA player you know, he has that NBA superstar potential. uh, This this is a guy that people want to play with, and uh, you you know, go down that list. We talked last, earlier this week about Cason Wallace, how good things went on his visit, how there's a lot of momentum that, you know, within the program that they think that they might have done enough to to lock him up, and I know he still has a couple more visits to to go, and uh, he has a tentative November 9th decision date scheduled i believe november 7th or november 9th uh one of the two i think it's november 9th but um there's a lot of talk that that once he gets these visits over with that he's gonna you know go back to the drawing board sit down and and get ready for a decision i wouldn't be shocked if if we get a shade and sharp commitment next week and then in the next fall, you know, next couple weeks after the fact that case and wallace joins the fold as well i think that's kind of where things are trending uh, that direction and that's going to give you their give you your backcourt Uh, Now, Sean, I think where things start to get interesting is when you factor in the front court and what UK wants to do there. Because, uh, look, if it were my decision, I think I'd put all my eggs in the Adem Bona and Derek Lively basket and say, those are my top two guys. That's what we need to do. I I think they can play together. I think that they're complementary pieces. Um, But I don't think that that's a consensus anymore uh, with the parties involved, I think that there's some, some concern about fit uh, alongside one another uh, specifically with the recruits themselves. So I think that has kind of um, forced Kentucky's hand to kind of take a step back and go back to the drawing board and say, okay, how can we construct this recruiting class and and construct this roster uh, that will maximize player chemistry that will maximize fit that will maximize pure on court production. And I think that's where Chris Livingston comes in the picture. I think um, if if you had to – if I had to put money down, I would say that Chris Livingston has kind of penciled himself in and the staff is kind of penciling him in as that – small ball four role. I don't know if that's his, like, I don't think that's his biggest priority. I think he would prefer to kind of just be a wing, you know, three, four kind of a, a Keon Brooks, Bryce Hopkins type guy where if need be, he can be a small ball four, but really prior to it, prioritize him on the, on the wing. Uh, but, in that four-out, one-in offense that Cal's trying to, you know, really prioritize versatility and shooting and scoring, he's almost like another wing. So I think that's where UK is pitching him on being, where he's going to have a lot of opportunities on the wing to shoot, to score, to drive to the basket, to dunk on people, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, And I think that Derek Lively has kind of firmly solidified himself as UK's go-to guy in the class. And I think that the ball is in his court at this point. Uh, and they're gonna they're going to let him make his decision first before making a move on a bone. I think there's a, a level of confidence with Adem Dem that if they truly put forth the full court press on him that they could land him and I don't yeah. think there's any rush for a decision from him, like I said last episode. He's brand new uh, to the states and and you know really, I don't think he's in that big of a rush uh, if he were in a rush to make a decision, it'd be to commit to Kentucky. So I think when Kentucky realize that there's a little bit of hesitancy on I think Adem is the kind of the main guy that there's some there's concern in his camp about uh, about fit alongside Derek Lively that, that they might not be complementary pieces I think UK is actively trying to convince them that they could they could absolutely play together I personally 100% think they could uh, but I think that's kind of the hurdle that UK is trying to get over right now and until then I think that in the process UK's kind of sold itself on the idea of Chris Livingston being a small ball four and that kind of being your five with Sky, Shaden Sharp, Cason Wallace, Chris Livingston and Derek Lively I think that's that as of right now is UK's kind of core five
1: and, it, and it's amazing how things change in recruiting I mean they can change from Tuesday till now like when we talked the other day and and you and I mentioned that we think that there could be four guys signed by the time Kentucky plays Duke that week in New York. And we were factoring in a Bona as being one of the four. Well, you can still see possibly four guys by then, but it not being Bona or Lively. And you mentioned Livingston. You know, I recorded an episode of Kentucky Daily recently, and we were talking about a Bona in the mailbag and things like that and the coexisting of those two. Well, Chris Livingston, if they're pitching him to be that small ball four, then the buzz for Livingston to Kentucky makes a ton more sense. And then it also kind of assures up that maybe UK knows that they've got Derek Lively or something there that they're, they're pushing. Like When you have a trend like this happen where it's been Memphis, Memphis, Memphis for Chris Livingston, who does have a UK connection, by the way, and then you get a little bit of a shift in momentum, there's some Kentucky buzz now, something led to that there was something you don't just get that without something else going the other way and i think what you're seeing is kentucky's backcourt i think and there is going to be the part where it's solidified in the early period it's the front court that's going to be the piece that's the final piece and it's going to be lively right that's that's who they want but livingston could definitely play in at that with his size at that small ball four role but have the ability to play the three as well i think he projects as a three in the nba not a four, but he has the versatility to do both, Jack. And then there's another name you already mentioned, Bryce Hopkins. Where does he factor in? I don't know what he factors in this season at Kentucky, but that's a guy that I think that this program and this staff really likes, that you got to factor in being back next year to go along with this class and then a guy like maybe Jacob Coppins. So the interior will be fine. This could come down to Kentucky just takes one big because who comes back?
0: Right. Yeah, and and I will add that – I. I was on campus. I was at the players' uh, players' first fantasy experience last weekend, and Bryce Hopkins looks really good, man. He's yeah. he is absolutely so. Talking to his dad, talking to him, and some of these pre uh, you know preseason interviews and all that, he has said that his biggest priority is cutting weight, kind of transforming his body into. Like, you know, kind of the same thing that happened with P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington came to Kentucky as that, you know, he was able to bully everybody at the four in high school because he just kind of weighed more than everybody else. But the, the conditioning didn't add up with the muscle strength that he already had. And there was kind of that adjustment period where he had to transform his body a little bit. And that was the one thing, talking to him, talking to his dad, uh, that, you know, I think even the, the U.K. coaches came out and said that the biggest – Thing for Bryce Hopkins will be to come in and transform his body, to cut some weight, lose that baby fat, and to you know really uh, you know transition into you know pure strength and, and and can and you know endurance on top of just uh, you know just being able to outmuscle everybody down low. And he's really done that. I, I've talked to several people inside the program. They've you know they've said that Bryce Hopkins Hopkins has kind of been a forgotten player in this class and on this roster. And, and you know this is a guy that would regularly put up. 40-plus points in a, in a pretty strong you know, division in, in the Chicago area. And, and you know, he has the potential to be a really, really skilled player right away. And I think that's – the staff's kind of putting it out there that, like, hey, you guys need to not forget about this kid. And I think you, you bring up a good point. I think sophomore year Bryce Hopkins can be very, very impressive and uh, a player that could be an all-SEC type player – um just you know just off development and continuing to transform his body and those things so you do kind of have to factor that in when you think of uh, you, you know where Chris Livingston fits in the push for a Dembona because look a Dembona is a guy that he's going to be an instant 8 and 8 type guy i think he can come in and immediately be an 8 8 and 2 block per game type player and that's why I think he can fit alongside Derek Lively that he's kind of a plug and play dude like he's a guy that he's going to grab the tough rebounds and you know put back dunks and and you know a lot of the cleanup stuff uh, that I think that you know and with with Derek Lively want to be a little bit more perimeter oriented and get some shots up and and be you know shoot a couple threes a game I think there is a, a way to kind of have that inside out out factor with both of them but I don't think that's how the players themselves see that and look Derek Lively is the type of player that you you prioritize, that you go all in on and you say, whatever you want, we're going to make sure happens with you. And that's the priority. Derek Lively is the staff's priority right now. And uh, I think that they're going to make Derek Lively tell them no before making any other decision in the front court or even any outside of that.
1: And that's 100% the right thing to do. Uh, he's he's that good. That is the guy that you you look at. Because, Jack, we know the transfer portal is going to be a thing too. So yeah. if something were to go wrong, you're going to be able to, to kind of look at this roster and maybe add something in the spring via the transfer portal. Plus, we do not know who comes back. Is Damian Collins a one and done? Does Oscar Sheboy think he needs another year at Kentucky? We have no idea what that front court is going to look like. I think they're going to lose more guys out of the backcourt than they do anywhere else. I mean, obviously, Davion Mintz is a senior. We know that he's definitely done after this year. TaTa Washington, we've heard some NBA buzz with him. If he's as good as advertised, Xavier Wheeler came to Kentucky to maybe put himself in position to get drafted. So they're, they're going to lose some guys on the perimeter, which makes sense why you're seeing the Shaden Sharps, the Case and Wallace's, those guys. It's the front court that I think will be the piece that needs to be added late. And if it's Derek Lively, if Kentucky can get number one in the fall and then they get another guy who's just equivalent as a number one player in the spring, oh, my goodness. Like this thing, and then you put the, all the other stuff in the middle there. This, this class is going to get Kentucky back to what Kentucky was doing so well. This gets John Calipari's swagger back. Like we, we always talk about swaggy Cal, like when they landed Ashton Hagens and EJ Montgomery in back-to-back days. Like that's swaggy. This is ultimate swaggy, though. This is what Cal did those first four or five years. When yeah. they would go on a heater and get top five guy, after top five guy, top ten guy, and convince them to play together. That's what Cal did so well.
0: That's Chris. You add Chris Livingston alongside your your other you know previous uh, high level targets and Shaden Sharp, Derek Lively, uh, and and Case and Wallace, and you have four of the top ten players on the class. And I mean that's something that we haven't seen since that 2013. You know everybody talked about 40 and 0 and all that stuff when UK landed four of the top five players at their respective positions in the class and a very similar, I think four of those players were top 10. I think maybe even five of them were top 10 players in the class, if I recall. Um, but that, that same level of just, you, you know, you get the best player at, at their respective positions. Uh, you know, Casey Wallace, depending on you, who you ask, is the number one, you know, combo guard in the class. Shaden Sharp's the number one shooting guard in the class. Derek Lively's the number one center in the class. Uh, and Chris Livingston's the number one small forward in the class. So, you already are, are kind of getting that embarrassment of riches with, you know, by position. But I do think that there's a fit, a very clear fit win, on you know, with with all of those. I think Chris Livingston uh, and Sean, I'm very interested in, to see what you think of his game and, and kind of uh, his fit as well. But I think Chris Livingston is going to be at his best as a, mismatch creator at the college level i think he's six seven you know six 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 seven but he's strong as an ox and you know he can I, I you know he has the skill to beat the fours but he also has the size to beat threes. so he you know he people talk about tweeners but i think he he really has the the ability to capitalize on mismatches as opposed to kind of you know not knowing what position he is i think he he can truly be a, a win at either position and, and you know if um, you know, you could have Sky Clark come off the bench or, you know, depending on how the rotations work, there's always a spot for all four of those guard slash wing slash forwards on that on that roster. Uh, I, I really do understand why there's there's I wouldn't have understood it if, if UK prioritized Chris's as, as a two or, you know, because I know that there's kind of this Khalil Whitney factor with a lot of guys that they want to everybody wants to be a guard. But if they could sell him on being a true small ball four or a big wing, I think that's where he's going to create mismatches, and I think that's where he's going to be at his best and maximize his NBA potential. I think that's where he fits in with his rotation.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a guy with the ball in his hands. You, you were talking about prioritizing him there as a two. I,
0: he's
1: he's a mismatch guy if you slide him three or four with, with the way he can handle the ball, that he can play above the rim. I know he's worked on his shot. Things like that. I, I would love to see him opposite Shaden Sharp, Kason Wallace, and these other guys on a roster, Jack. If that's what it ends up being with Kason and Shaden, you give Livingston the guy with the, the ball in his hands and can get downhill. I mean that that's a guy that's a mismatch nightmare with his game. Yeah, and then you just look at his size and his frame. I mean he he looks he looks the part when you look at him. All the guys that they're going after in this class, the one thing that you can say about them, they all look the part. I don't think that there's very many guys when you look at that say, oh, this body needs to be developed or that that that's not the case for these perimeter guys. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Yeah, I mean, Casey Wallace looks like a grown man, and he's a dog. And at that you know that even if he might not be 6'6", 225, Casean Wallace has the dog in him to kind of counter for some of that size. Shade, you know, Shaden Sharp, he has the size. I mean, shoot, you know, Sky Clark, he's you know he he's got some bulk to him, and and Derek Lively, shoot, he's pushing seven three at this point. So I mean, you you go down the list, everybody. You know, especially Chris Livingston. He's probably the most he he looks the most NBA ready out of all of them. And you know, well, yeah.
1: The the thing with Livingston that I think separates him is his ability that I've seen, Jack, is his ability to finish in a crowd, mm-hmm. his ability to finish in traffic with that body, with that frame. That's what separates him. And and when you're talking high school, that and that's where these rankings come into play, right? When projections to the NBA. You look at those things. Who are the guys right now that are most ready to make that jump to the league after a year? Body plays a lot into it in development. These guys have those bodies that will transition to the collegiate game and well to the NBA game, too. Once they tune in their skill set, the the frame, the physical, the physical stuff is there for all these guys in this class.
0: Yeah. I will say, you know, I don't want this to be a big sunshine pumper. Every player that UK is going to get is the greatest in sliced bread, and, and you know, UK is going to go 40-0. I will admit that Chris Livingston has not been one of my favorite players in the class. I think that at his best – I think if if you're going to make a move for him where they want him is is the best fit for him. I think he is going to be a mismatch nightmare. But I do – you know, I, I just think the Khalil Whitney experience really just kind of – you know, threw a lot of red flags for me and really kind of worried me about, you know, future players like that, who I think the staff wanted Khalil to be a small ball four at his best, but that was never something that he bought into. He always thought that he was going to be a two in the NBA and that, you know, that the UK coaching staff was steering him wrong. I think that this is something that uh, I've heard that even Chris Livingston's a guy that he thinks that he's a guard. He thinks he's a two and, and, I think that if it'd be something that he has to buy into because at his best, if he can, if, if he can realize what his size is and kind of maximize uh, on that front and use that to his, his benefit, then I absolutely think it's a major win for the staff. But I also think when you're talking about taking one or the other between Chris Livingston and Adem Bona, and I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I do think that there would be a world where UK could get all of them but it does feel like that's where we're trending. It feels like something that, that you better be pretty damn sure that Chris Livingston's going to buy into that role. Because uh, if not, then you are missing that four. Unless Bryce Hopkins, you, you know, Bryce Hopkins might be that guy, but then you're talking about having a little bit of, of you know, overload on the wing position and, and all that, depending on who, you, who comes back with C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, those guys. There's just a lot of moving parts that Chris Livingston, it feels like the only way he'll fit, is if he does accept that small ball four role where I think that's where he's that that's going to be his best in the NBA. I think that's where he will, will thrive the most and, and he is a mismatch nightmare if he wants to be, he just has to accept that role. And that's just something that, you know, dealing with the, the, the Khalil Whitney thing, the first time around, it just, it, it does have me slightly concerned. And I, I do want to put that out there that, uh, that, in my ideal world, the, the, your, the five that you take is who I've talked about case and sky Shaden, Adembona, and Derek lively. And I, I think you just, you make that front court work. You convince all parties involved that it's going to work. Uh, but I don't know if the people involved actually see it that way. I think that, that Chris has kind of emerged as that guy. So we'll see, we'll see if they're right. You know, that, that's why they get paid the big bucks and, and they think that they can make that work and that's, that's, I, you know, what they're doing right now. So, We'll see how we'll see how it unfolds, but uh, I I do have some slight concern with with just kind uh, of you, you know fit and, and understanding role on the team.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it's there for sure, uh, but we still I mean all this still has to play out with this class and stuff, and we know that things change all the time in recruiting. But where Kentucky stands right now in the first of September, they're in a very good spot to make a lot of noise. Uh, before Kentucky basketball even takes the floor for this season. Kentucky fans are going to be locked in on the recruiting side uh, because, Jack, good news is definitely on the way. How much of it, how soon, remains to be seen. But they're trending upward right now with this 22 class. And we've been getting a lot of questions and stuff on Twitter. A lot of people in replies want to know, like, why? Especially with Memphis buzz, getting Imani, getting Jalen Duran, all those things. Everybody's want to know, when is Kentucky going to get involved? When is Kentucky going to get some good news? Why is it Duke? Why is it Memphis? Be patient. Kentucky's plan has never – they've never strayed from it. The plan has always been there. Their guys are still there. This is going to be a class that's going to be littered with top 15 talent. Just stay patient. It's going to work out.
0: And, and let me – okay, this is, this is going – this is what made me so confident in this coaching staff and the program as a whole right now. There, were, there was a lot of talk with the previous administration that they would get a guy – that they would think they would get a guy locked up on the recruiting trail and they would kind of back off a little bit because they would just kind of assume that, that things are locked up and they wouldn't need to go. That, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jaden Hardy. That's how that kind of unfolded and other players of that caliber that they would think they did a, you know, they do a great job to start with and get, you know, in a great position early on in the process, but then they couldn't finish down the stretch. I will say I talked to somebody close to the program about Shaden Sharp uh, several weeks back, and I said I've heard behind the scenes that Shaden is, is locked up, that there's that there's a, you know, commitment date already scheduled behind the scenes, that it's going to be a, a mid to late August, and that was obviously before the G League came in and kind of he had to take a step back and, and just double down on his, his confirmation that, that UK was the choice. Um, but I, I said, you know, I've heard behind the scenes that the UK locked up Shade and Sharp, good job, you know, kind of well done. And the response was, it's never locked up until you get them signed on the dotted line. Until, until you get them officially committed, it's never a done deal. That mentality is something that it was like, that that's a win right there that makes me feel a hell of a lot more confident mm-hmm. in just this administration this how the, just the the approach to recruiting that it's never a done deal until you get these kids committed and I don't think that mentality has been there and, and I think they kind of realized that a little bit later uh you know probably a little while it was too late at that point you know in the, the last coaching staff but I do think that that they have this mentality now where it's like we gotta we gotta hear them commit and sign on the dotted line before we get way too confident in our in our abilities and i think that's well, to what they're doing
1: and and two it's hard to really identify who's really leading these recruitments yeah. i think john calipari is at the the front of a lot of this i think that's a thing that's changed from the last few years till now is he's taking control of this we obviously know that jay lucas and that connection with texas and Casey wallace is certainly a thing john calipari Jack has been leading the way for a lot of these guys at the top of this thing and then that's the biggest change to me
0: and and I'll I'll I remember talking to Jay Lucas the first time this summer at one of the camps um, that we asked you know it was right after Orlando Antigua and and Chin Coleman were added to the the staff we said you know what's it going to be like to You know, be able to kind of divide and conquer on some of these kids, and and you know, really have a lot of individual talent. uh, You know, you know, as as recruiters, and Jay was the one that said we're not going to be we're not going to have lead recruiters anymore. Jay said this is going to be a by committee recruiting staff. We're not going to be, you know, me me I I. This is my kid. This is my kid. uh, The way that you know you would hear. Uh, You know, Tony Barbie was the leader on Terrence Clark and Joel Justice was the leader on Sky Clark and and so on and so forth. It was each individual kid was, you know, had one individual lead recruiter. I completely agree. I think that UK has gone back to the drawing board and said, we can't be, we can't be getting these kids by just saying, you know, this is your kid. This is my kid. This is my kid. If this is a by committee recruiting staff now.
1: Yeah. And we knew that in the spring too. When uh, the transfer portal stuff, it was Cal that was there because obviously they were going through some changes with the staff and everything. But yeah, this is this is a by committee, and that's why when you go to twenty four seven and all that stuff, you don't see lead recruiters. You you don't see that like it's because it's Kentucky and this staff together. Chin Coleman, Orlando they're they're doing a really good job right now. Kentucky, even though they only have one commitment, Sky Clark right now, that's about to change. And Kentucky's about to be the school getting all the buzz when it comes to recruiting. You're going to see a lot of people talking about UK's recruiting class. Right now it's Memphis, it's Duke. John Calipari is still going to show that he's at the top of the chart here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sean, I think that about clears it up. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we get out of here?
1: Just that we'll be back very, very soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're – I mean, we have a commitment on Tuesday. So, either way, we're going to have a show – uh, I'd like to have one ready. Be watching
1: roll. those feeds. Yeah, be watching those feeds Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Yeah. be be ready. Act, actually, refresh it. Refresh it. Refresh it. Uh, I can. As soon as it drops, we're dropping.
0: I can assure you, we will have a podcast recorded and ready to go. Um, right, right when the news drops. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. And Sean, there's one thing that that I wanted to kind of put out there. Um, that it's kind of a, a personal thing for me. That I I just wanted to kind of use this platform absolutely to, to put out there absolutely so, um, I have been nominated for the Best Buddies Champion of the Year 2021 uh, in the state of Kentucky. Best Buddies is an organization that I've been working with uh, since high school. It's one that's that's near and dear to my heart, uh, and it's it's a fundraising competition where I just have to raise three thousand dollars by September 30th, and I've already raised you know, pushing, pushing a thousand dollars. So I'm already about a a third of the way there, but I really, really need big blue nations help. I know this is, I I don't ask for a lot from you guys. And I know uh, it's, I I don't, I'm not usually very comfortable, you know, asking for things Mm -hmm. like that, but this is just something that uh, it's, it's an organization dedicated to uh, bettering the life of the lives of, of individuals with special needs and uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I, one of the groomsmen in my wedding, one of my best, absolute best friends, uh, I met him through this organization. It's something that, um, that just absolutely changed my life. I wasn't really proud of who I was before this, uh, this organization came into my life and it's really done something, something to me that uh, I feel like a better person. And, and um, just, it's something that I'm really proud of. And, and I, just could i could really use some help from the big blue nation if you guys are willing to uh do that i'm going to post the link to this fundraiser anything helps five bucks ten bucks 50 bucks 100 bucks i don't care what it is whatever you guys can can afford i'd really appreciate if you could uh, make that happen so i can win this win this competition it's it's a really awesome thing and it's it's only for good it's it's a, a really fantastic organization one that I'm really proud to be a part of so I will be including the link to that in this podcast post so if you are reading this please just click the link help however you can and I'd be very much grateful and, and appreciative of it um and it it'll push me to uh to to keep pumping these episodes out and 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 you know we'll we'll keep doing good stuff and moving up those charts and bringing you guys the best content that we absolutely can as well so uh let's make it a, a you scratch my back I'll scratch yours and we'll we'll have a good time with it I appreciate all of our listeners and uh the the constant support you guys you guys give us man it's it's constant we see it we see it on twitter we see the dms we see the mentions we see the you know we need a we need a source to say every time some recruiting news breaks we really see that stuff and we really appreciate it so I just wanted to uh ask that favor from the bbn and also thank you guys for being a part of this pretty freaking awesome journey that we have with this with this podcast
1: yeah, no doubt. Sources say listeners will come through. They they always do. We're we're grateful for everyone that listens to this podcast. And uh, we're we're getting to that time of year now where you're going to be getting regular episodes. Like we're moving into that recruiting period season right around the corner. Jack, I looked at it. There are six straight Fridays from October fifteenth through the end of November where we'll be at Rep Arena. There isn't. Yeah. There's a game. Blue White game, Big Blue Madness, or a game every single Friday from October fifteenth through the first of December. We will be at Rupp Arena. Plenty of content coming your way over the next few months.
0: And I know we. So look, last season it was it was difficult because there was so much losing, and it it got. It got to the point where every time we would put on these these headsets, it would be, uh, okay, let's explain now why Kentucky lost again. Let's all be miserable and sad and upset. It, it just sucked. So we understand, and it, it's kind of why it got to the point where we didn't want to do the pregame and postgame shows and the you know midweek stuff. But this team, I think, is going to be very capable of, of being quite successful, and, and I've heard nothing but good things behind the scenes about it. So it, as long as the good stuff keeps rolling, we're going to be pumping out podcast after podcast after podcast where I'm, I'm cool with doing pregame shows, postgame shows, midweek stuff. Uh, we really want to make this kind of your go-to uh, basketball source during the season. So we're going to make sure that happens and uh, keep, keep pumping out uh, the content that you guys know and love. Absolutely. Can't wait. Absolutely. Well, with that, we will get the heck out of here, Sean. Where can fans find your work?
1: You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com, And you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry. country.
0: You can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we will be back next time for another Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.